Remain standing, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 as we get into the Word of God tonight. We're going to look at two different texts. Thank you, Pastor Alex. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, a favorite of many. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. I'm going to read from the New International Version. And um, I'm encouraged about the text. It's going to touch your life, I have no doubt. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to take this up from verse... From verse 1, I'm not going to use, um, it'll set the context, the Apostle Paul writing the church in Corinth. Main verses, we'll look at verse 9 through 11, but let's read this. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 6, 1. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you take care of it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? Well, that, that ought to give you a bit of a boost. You know, you think of yourself as a worm, but actually you're going to be judging the world. And if you were to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we judge that we will judge angels? Let me give you another boost. Hopefully you're not worshiping them. One thing's for sure is that you're going to judge them. How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do not ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church. <laughs> oh, my. I say this to your shame. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers. Man, that happens all the time. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you've been completely defeated already. Wow. Why not rather be wronged? In other words, he's saying, I'm not even going to preach on this, but I was reading it just refreshing myself on the text I just I mean it's so contrary to the world I was studying the Matthew 5 6 and 7 and going through some things today and the bylaws of the kingdom the sermon on the mount you know why it's called a sermon on the mount because he was on a mountain when he preached it it's so contrary to to the world why not rather be wronged? In other words, instead of let the church and the Lord look like look bad and, and us be greedy or try to right our own selves, why not just be wronged? That's what he says. Why not rather be cheated? Well, now there are exceptions. Verse 8. Instead, another word, an exception. It's just like a little sermonette before the, before the sermon. An exception would be somebody who wrongs and cheats people all the time. Somebody ought to stop that punk. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody ought to stop him so it doesn't rip any more people off. Right? So that's righteousness too. Okay. Instead, 
you yourselves cheat and do wrong. Oops. And you do this to your brothers and sisters. Okay, here we go. Here comes the fun part. Verse 9. You ready? Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the swindlers. Slanders. Swindlers is next up. Slanders. Or, nor swindlers would inherit the kingdom of God. All right, this will be just wiped out about everybody. The good news is in verse 11. And that's what some of you were. That's past tense. That's what you used to be. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Come and do what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I mean, I, if you were to pick something that's, that's just extremely politically incorrect, it would be that. That is, I love how the Word of God has no no sense or feeling for political correctness. Political correctness, I, my wife read me a quote uh, just recently, and so I'll have to paraphrase it. It's an attempt to not offend anybody. Being politically correct is an attempt at not trying to offend anyone. The only problem with that is truth offends the lie. Truth is an offense to those who don't want to hear it. And this text is uh, profound. It, it, it shows that there's a standard. God has a standard. God has a way of doing things that are right. And it's, it's not necessarily what you or I might believe is right. This text here, before we look at 1 Thessalonians, it, it, evil exists, but the thing is that evil operates through us if we let it. So you have a choice. We've been programmed by, uh, I just heard this, Charles Manson was a horrible murderer back in the 70s, and he's in jail today as I understand it. In interviews with him, he blamed his mother for everything. What? Is there something wrong with that? Because he, he didn't take any personal responsibility. He just, he just pointed blame, fixed blame, just constantly. Kind of, and psychology today would tell you that you have your issues today because of your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or some horrible thing that happened to you. And there's no doubt that horrible things have happened. I'm not trying to minimize that. But the glory is this. If you found yourself in one of those, this, the litany, the, as the Apostle Paul categorized some sins there, you can't miss the, that line that says, and that's what some of you were. See, you might have come from dysfunction. You might have had a father that abused you. And if you did, I pray, oh God, heal you. But when you stand before the judgment seat on that day, you will not be able to blame your mom. You'll not be able to blame the fact that you were bottle fed. You'll not be able to blame your father. You'll not be able to blame your pastor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You'll not be able to blame your church. 
Recently, I was contacted by somebody who was offended, and they spoke about how they have experienced rejection all, all their life, but no greater rejection than from the church. Can I tell you how I wanted to kick my soapbox up and just preach four or five sermons and take an offering? I can't tell you how I wanted to do that. And if they're listening, may they receive this with all the love that's in my heart. They never received a phone call. They, they stopped coming for whatever reason. And as I graciously tried to communicate, people stopped coming to church for many reasons. One, they moved churches. If God leads you to another church, we will bless you and rejoice with the time that you were with us and send you on your way as you obey God. And people come from other churches here. That's just, that's just part of the body of Christ. That's how that is. Then there's some people that don't come to church because they got offended by Pastor Alex's music. What you going to do? They wanted, you know, some southern gospel the entire service. And we're only going to serve that up. We're only going to serve that up every so, every so often. But we do enjoy southern gospel. But the whole service is not southern gospel. Is that wrong? No, that's just what we have chosen. As God has led us that way. And we've had people that say, you know, I just can't stand the worship, but I just love the church, and so I'm going to come. Well, we rejoice, and we rejoice you're coming. And, amen. And, and then there's some folks that are like, don't come because we don't sing hymns. We sing hymns occasionally on Sunday morning, and we, we've just tried to be led by the Lord. There are churches that just sing hymns. Is there anything wrong with that? No. Anything wrong with Southern Gospel? No. Hey, you know, that we try to express the culture. So there's people who will be like, man, I don't want that. I want a hymn-type culture. There's some wonderful churches in the valley that can minister to you. There's wonderful churches online, things that you can be a part of. Wonderful. So there's people that don't, don't come to church because of the music, people that don't come to church because of the preaching. They don't come to the church because I've had people leave the church because we have women pastors. We should probably preach on that again. They'd be like, oh, women in ministry, women in ministry. Jesus thought it was good enough for him to be supported by them. Jesus thought it was good enough to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And most of the scriptures, by the way, I didn't give you notes, so I'm all good. Praise God. I, I, I had notes to give you, but, but I didn't get to finish them because I was on my roof. But I'll get to that. But it's part of an illustration for the sermon. So... Most of the scriptures, back to the women's thing as I just kind of run along here. Most of the scriptures about women in ministry that people use, they're totally taken out of context. And they have no idea actually what they mean. And they're pulling them and, and making them used for an entire congregation of people when it's talking to a specific woman. Anyway. So there's people that leave and go other places. But in this case, there was a person that didn't come back, and we're not sure why. And, and the truth is, as much as we try to be personal and connect with people, and I mean, we have a whole, we have a whole department that, that does that, that tries to get people connected and discipled. We, we, we really try hard to do that. There's, there's a whole team of people. It's called our Connect Department. That's what they do. They're constantly, we're constantly trying to figure out who was there, who wasn't there. And sometimes people sip through our fingers. So this was someone that got through. And so they said, I've never been more rejected than by the church. And I, I just wanted to say, man, um, I've never, I just want to say, I've never been more rejected than by God's people. I didn't have anybody call me either. I didn't have anybody follow up on me, see how I was doing. I mean, I have brothers and sisters did. See, that's the difference. 
there were tied in such a way and develop relationships in such a way that somebody would actually, look, if I don't see someone that I'm connected to, I'm going to reach to them. Mom, I didn't show up tonight. Would you call me? Yes, you would. You've called me already. Praise God. See how I'm doing. So I just wanted to say, well, you're, you've been rejected by the church? Well, I've been rejected by you. Where were you when we were going through a trial? Where were you? I'm going to tell you something. It bothers the life out of me. Oh, the church rejected me. Grow up. Don't preach angry. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Come on, bump your neighbor and say, he ain't talking about me. Is he talking about you? Go ahead, ask him. Well, we like blaming other people. Come on, have you ever heard that? Oh, the church, the church. Dude, you're the church. Church is people. It's not some organization and some people at the top that they're the church. The church, it's the pastor and his staff. Church is people. And it's imperfect, and we do the best we can, and Lord, forgive us again for all our shortcomings and help us to do a better job. But psychology today would tell us that we just to blame everybody. Well, the reason, the reason that, uh, you know, is living that kind of lifestyle is because he was rejected by... Listen, those things can make sense, but in the end, in other words, you can have understanding. So when you hear about the abuse that... Uh, uh, and rejection that a young man went through his whole life and the molestation and the different things that took place and he, he winds up in a lifestyle of homosexuality. It's, it, it, it can make sense as you follow it, but it doesn't mean that somebody has to stay that way. And, and it, goes with, it goes with drugs, it goes with uh, abuse, it goes with, it goes with everything. And I, my heart goes out to people that have gone through that. And I've gone through my own wounds as a child. Welcome to the human race. We're responsible for the way that we live. We're responsible for the way that we live. Can't, can't change the word of God. Just offended somebody else. I remember um, I was in a series of meetings with a preacher in Kauai. Oh, you might remember this, Pastor Vince. And God um, was teaching on giving whole service on finances and money and giving and tithing. And uh, one man stood up and was so angry about the fact he was talking about money that he started yelling at the preacher. Bob Rickey was the guy. And the man stood up and started yell, yelling as he's leaving the church. And Bob Rickey said, well, go ahead and stay busted and broke and beat up all your life then. It's up to you if you want to do that. I said, Bob, Bob, Bob. Bob, 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 Bob. Relax, Bob. Happens to be absolutely true. So you can have an opinion about the what you... The, your opinion doesn't matter when it stands before God. He, he loves you, but, he, but his word is what, is what matters. And he has a standard. 
and we still have to have compassion. And this text gives me hope. It gives us hope that we were once busted like all of that and the Lord can set us free. That's what some of you were. It really tells us how we can be changed by the word of God, by the authority of the name of Jesus, by the blood. It tells us how we can be changed by the power of the spirit, that you don't have to stay busted and disgusted and toe up from the flow up. You can be healed. You can be freed. You can be delivered. Come on, you, you, you might have come in busted, but you can leave blessed. You, 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 come on, the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life to change you so that you not only don't miss heaven, but that you actually get to walk in power and authority affecting the world that's around us. All right, turn to, um, turn to 1 Thessalonians. First Thess chapter 4. Go to verse 3. If that's Jesus, would you just tell him I'll, I'll talk with him later. First Thessalonians chapter 4. That's a joke. Okay. Verse 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control his own body. That's what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. Wow. The, punish, the, the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. That is quite a verse. Because he's not writing to the world, he's writing to the church. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we've told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being. But God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit, wow. And we have so many that reject the word of the Lord, that reject his precepts and his principles and his his way of being and doing right. God has a way of being and doing right apart from the law. It's called the grace of God. But you can't use that as a license to go and do whatever you want. Now, you, that's what some of you were, he says to 1 Corinthians, first to the Corinthians in chapter 6. But the point is, they didn't stay that way. They were washed. They were cleansed. If you came into the house of the Lord with those kinds of bondage, which is like most people, because there's such defilement in the world. That's, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, would, I would expect that. Sinners sin. Well, that, that's the way you came in. The point is, don't stay that way. Don't, don't stay that way. It's not God's will for you to stay that way. I remember being in services years ago and hearing messages and be like, oh man, now I'm responsible. I just learned something and I'm like doing the opposite. 
And she's like, try to shake it off and trying to run out of the service, but it's too late. And the Holy Spirit convicting you. I've dealt with a, um, I've dealt with a sin that I have struggled with for most of my life, and that's the sin of gluttony. I think I'll stay on this section for the rest of the message right here. And I had lots of justification. I'm certainly not going to put on you what the Lord convicted me of, but he's been trying to get me correct that for a long time. And I would go through seasons of victory, but nothing like what the Lord helped move me into in the past six months. I remember being in a service. I was sitting next to my mama. It was right before Thanksgiving. And uh, the guest preacher preached on gluttony. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> I remember afterwards my mom says, well... There goes Thanksgiving, praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, he's like, oh, Thanksgiving. That's like, the, we just allow us just to become as big as a tick during Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to burst everywhere. First, First Thessalonians chapter 4. God will punish us for our evil deeds. All right. He doesn't catalog all these sins like he did in 1 Corinthians 6, but, you know, some people just think that God winks at everything. I'm going to try to smile a lot through this section because it might just help you. Some people think that, like, you know, they get saved and it's like the Lord knows my heart and it's just, he just knows what I struggle with. Yeah, he knows what you struggle with, but he's all going to punish you too. If you don't change, if you don't change. And the amazing thing about that isn't that he just comes and gets all, you know, we try to change people. I've, I've tried to change from doing this, and I think the Lord has helped me, but I used to try to change people through anger and intimidation. Oh, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Get all big and all loud and ugh, especially with your kids, especially with your children. Listen, anytime you introduce anger and rage into your relationship, you okay? You guys okay? Because this one, this one's gonna sting. Anytime you try to introduce anger and rage into your training of your child, you introduce the demonic. Let's just say law for a second, huh? Say law is a term in the Psalms that means rest, and think about that. So I'll say it again. Anytime you try to use anger and rage to control somebody to do what you want them to do, even though what you want them to do might be the right thing, utilizing the wrong principles of anger and control introduces a demonic into that relationship. Hallelujah. Come on, Pastor Vince. Hallelujah. 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 Set me free from all bondage. Hallelujah. Help me in my rage problem. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah, because that's not how Jesus does it. That's not, the, that's not God's model. Go ahead and find it. Find it for me. Oh, yeah. He does get angry, but in his anger, he doesn't sin. He releases wrath on Jesus so that you don't get it. 
And so when he teaches his kindness, it leads us to repentance. It's a gentleness and meekness and kindness and love. And yes, chastisement too. But it's fascinating how he does it. If you hear the voice of the Lord like this, that's not God. I told you! Oh, and then just rail you up one side down the other. That would be the devil. Now God gets strong with me. But it's strong like, I don't know how to describe it. I was out in Han. I've told this story. My mom said, did you ask the Lord if you could go surfing? I said, sure, mom. I asked the Lord if I could go surfing. Bye. And I went surfing without asking the Lord. And I'm out there, and I have a drowning experience nearly. Well, I did have a drowning experience just after this. I was out there in Coquille Bay or Coquille Bay. I forget what it's called. It's out there. Hana, somewhere. These giant waves are coming, and I realize there's no way to get past them. And I just heard the Lord say, you may not disobey me. I thought, okay. I'm sorry. Can you help me right now? And I had a drowning experience. But it wasn't like, you idiot. How dare you? It wasn't, that's, that's not the voice of the Lord. But the Lord does. He says, son, I really love you. That's why I'm going to send you to the woodshed for a little while. And while you're in the woodshed, why don't you, we're going to think about that together. Amen. So you make right choices next time. Okay, God, that's different. That's a loving Heavenly Father giving you the, the willow switch. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you know what a willow switch is. In the love of the Lord. But it is amazing that God will punish us for our evil deeds. And you know, he doesn't wink at stuff. He really does have a standard that's right. He really does have things that are a way that's right and a way that's wrong. And when you see some of you, you wonder why your life's all jacked up. Could it be that you're just living in total disobedience, expecting God to go, I love you? (laughs) Oh, I love you, Jesus. He's like, oh, you can go ahead and have that bondage. No problem. That's not even God. That, that's not even God. That, that's, some, that's some secular humanist nonsense that watered down the gospel that says you can just go crazy in your lust and in your greed and in your swindling and in your, and all of that and your gossip and slander. and You can just do all of that and still come to church and love God. That's not even a biblical concept. Holiness. Am I the only one being convicted tonight? Come on, some of you have attitudes that are straight from the pit of hell, and you better deal with those things or you're going to get lickings. We're called to live a holy life. Say it. We're called to live a holy life. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. The Holy Spirit will empower you if you'll ask Him. You know, it's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He'll have a conversation with you about anything if you'll ask Him. He's not always the first one to bring it up. If he brings it up, you're usually in trouble. No, I, I don't want to like doctrine out of it, but that's my experience. And from walking with the Lord for a few years, my experience is if the Holy Spirit says, uh, son, yeah, I'm in trouble. I have had him tell me how much he loves me and all of that, and that's wonderful, and that's great. But I'm so glad that he corrects me. If I'm headed off or doing something wrong that's grieving him, I don't want to hurt his feelings. 
I don't want to grieve him. I don't want to hurt him. I want him to have full sway and yielded. I want to be yielded to him in every area of my life. And, and he's, he's, he's willing to have conversations with you about everything if you'll ask him. And he'll go as deep as you want to go. Let me say that again. If you will talk with the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What is that? The koinonia of the Holy Spirit. Many people don't walk in victory because they have no fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You want an increase in anointing. You want to walk in favor. You want to walk in power. But it's kind of like you want to take your 25 cents and stick it in the gumball machine and get your favor power gumball and just be like, yeah, I've got it. That's not how it is. Come on, it's a relationship with a person. The Holy Spirit is not a dove, it's not an it, it's not a force. It's a person. And that's why when you read the Apostle Paul talks about how you can grieve him, how, how you can quench the Spirit, how you can lie. You can lie. Book of Acts, you can lie to the Holy Spirit. You can't lie to a soap dish. You can't lie to an inanimate object. He's a person. He's a third part of the Trinity. And if you'll cultivate this relationship with him, listen, those of you that are still finding yourself in... in fornication and adultery and still having all kinds of bondages if you'll ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Some, some of you, you know, if, if you feel led to rip something off right before that, ask Him to help you and resist that thing. See, this whole text, it, it, it goes through this litany and the point is that you'll stand before God, I'll stand before God and we all have a choice. But the fact that he lists it and then says, but you were sanctified, it means you have a choice no matter what your dad did. I'm sorry if you were abused. I am, but you can be healed. Amen. Don't stay in that victim mentality. Walk in a place of being a victor. Amen. Walk in a place of being free. Walk in a place of, of life and life abundant. Not blame, name it, blame it. Point the finger. So he's three pointing back at you, right? Three pointing back at you. You point the finger at somebody to blame, there's three pointing back at you. The Holy Spirit. So I'm working on this section of scripture here in, a, in, a, in this message, and I, I, it was about an hour before I had to go, before I got to go, the privilege of coming to church. And so I'm talking about fellowship with the Holy Spirit and writing some things down. And I'm just thinking, wow. I remember, I remember coming home from church when I was a single, a single man. And I'm so blessed to be married, praise God. I was single. I, I would come home and I would dance with the Lord. I'd put worship on and, and you know, light a candle. This is when I was on fire, not when I was like half in the you know, half bag, you know, half stepping. I got on fire. This is what happened for me. I, and I would dance with the Lord. I would, I would, I would waltz with him, not even know how to do that. He would touch me. I would weep and cry. It's like I would feel the Lord weep too. I mean, it was just this amazing time. And I thought about that. And as I'm sitting there reflecting, I just feel like the Lord says, why don't you just take a moment right now? I mean, he was helping me do the message, and you can feel the anointing even now in the room, and that's because God's here. So I, I just kind of closed my computer. I'm like, oh, God, I just love you. He's like, Lord, do you want to dance or anything? He's like, no, okay. So I, I just worshiping, and 
And he's like, yeah, your roof. I'm like, oh, what, what about my roof? Like, I think you should go check it. And I thought, hmm, I think I'm going to check my roof. Now, that's, I had a solid 45 minutes left of work. That's why you don't have notes. And so I felt like I needed to check my roof and check these roof panels that are all around my house with the wind that's coming through because if I'm putting a metal roof on and if your metal roof panels bend, not good. So everything's, you know, got two by fours and two by sixes over. My, my, my house is just under construction. It's glorious. May it come to completion, oh God. So grateful for a home. Anybody thankful for a home? If you don't have one, believe God for one. And so I walked outside, and Karen helped me, and Pastor Karen, and um, walked outside and fixed everything. And I just felt like I needed to go up on the roof and check the whole thing. I get up on the roof, and, and the, whole, the whole top of the section of the roof that we had not quite roofed yet but covered it with tar paper, it's all open, man. And it is raining straight inside my house, all over the insulation and everything. And I just thought, oh, Holy Spirit, thank you. <laughs> and then I scrambled to try to get 30-pound tar paper in 30-mile-an-hour winds and cover over the roof cap that was open because the tar paper had ripped off. And, and I was so grateful because had that not happened and maybe there was a major downpour, I mean, it really got a little bit wet, but it's not that big a deal, then my house would have had a major problem. But because I took time to just so, oh, it wasn't even on my mind. I, I, one of the ways I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me is I don't really have the ideas that he comes up with. In other words, I'm not a roofer. I, I, I don't know really too much about roofing as the guys that are helping me know full well. I'm a good laborer though. Just tell me what to do. I get up there and Come on, the Holy Spirit wants to help you to overcome your bondage, but if you don't commune with Him, you don't, come on, you ask Him to help you the next time you want to rip off a candy bar. Not to help you rip off the candy bar. He wouldn't anoint you to help you to not rip it off. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's crucial to your walk with the Lord. You need the Holy Spirit. You need His power. You need His enablement. You need, his, you need Him. His endowment of power. He'll give it to you. Then we say, well, He knows my address and He can bring me the power of the Spirit when He wants to. Well, what kind of prideful nonsense is that? You don't have because you don't ask many times. Pastor Alex, would you come, please? Understand the Holy Spirit is crucial to your walk. And let me just give you a couple points here. He's the one who convicted us of sin. So when you are minding your own business, or maybe I read through the, the, you know, the, the litany that the Apostle Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And as I read through that, you're like, oh, you just felt like, oh, I got some of that. That would be the Holy Spirit. That would be the Holy Spirit convicting you of sin. When you first gave your heart to the Lord, you heard about Jesus Christ crucified and realized that it was your sin that put him on the cross. And then you thought to yourself, oh man, I got to get right with God. That wasn't the gift of the preacher. It was the Holy Spirit talking to your heart. 
John 16, 8. It says that when he comes, talking of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteous and of judgment. My, my, my. He's the one who makes the word of God real to us. Did you know that? When you're reading the word, and by the way, if you don't read the word, oh, there is a special treat waiting for you in the word of God. If you'll just begin to open it and ask him to speak to you. And don't do it with an exacto knife. You know, you cut out the section you don't like, right? You can't read the word that way. Just eat the whole thing. And when you're convicted, repent. It makes the word of God real. The Holy Spirit will burn in your heart if you'll ask him to. Isaiah calls it a spirit of burning. The Holy Spirit enters our life the moment that we believe and we receive, repent, and believe and receive Jesus. But there's, there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is different than just the, the Spirit of God that comes and makes your spirit alive to God. That's different. The baptism of the Spirit is different. Baptismo, it's, it's a picture of taking a cucumber and putting it in a vat of solution. I don't know what's in pickle juice. Salt, vinegar, whatever, garlic. How many of you like garlic? I love garlic. And then it soaks in there and a pickle gets infused with the pickle formula. At first, the cucumber is just wet. But as it stays in there a little bit longer, you know, the, 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 the solution starts working through the cucumber skin. And if you let it soak longer, it'll go even a little deeper. And if you let it soak a little longer, there's a transformation where a cucumber becomes a baptism. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I love the body of Christ. I I had a, a meeting a while ago and was with people from different parts of the body of Christ. I could tell by their speech and the prayer who was filled with the Spirit and who wasn't. I could tell by the joy in their voice or the lack of it. I said, well, are you sure? Not 100%. Not 100%, but, but you can usually tell. People that are filled with the Spirit, they're not, usual, they're not usually wretches and miserable. They usually have joy. Joy, can I quote you again, Mama? Joy is the flag that flies from the heart that has Jesus enthroned. I got all these quotes. They're cataloged. That's like 1996. Joy. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Mama, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You're just crazy for him. He's going to work it all out. I got joy like a fountain. Yes, I Got joy like a fountain. It's true. Got joy, joy, joy. I used to be sad and depressed. Now I got joy. He snatched me out like a stick from the fire. 
dropped me in his presence and his power. I've been pickled by the Lord. Oh, thank you. Some of you need to be pickled. I got joy, 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 joy. I got joy, 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 down in the corazón. I got joy, that was Spanish. I got joy, 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 I got joy, 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 in me. In the corazón, in the corazón, yeah. I got joy, 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 I got joy, 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 joy in my heart. We have been accused of being too happy. In fact, one of the reasons other folks have left is because there's just too much joy. Sorry. There's not more depression in here. Anxiety and fear. I got joy, joy, got joy, 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 joy in the cortisol. Lift your hands all across this place.
put to death those things that are pulling you down and pulling you away and bringing you into, into, into a place of punishment. He'll help you to put it to death if you ask Him. If you ask Him. He will. He's the one that helps us to live holy. He'll help you to live holy. There's got to come a paradigm shift. A shift in your thinking. Some, somebody swallowed a, a, a bad lie in the churches that says that serving God's hard. Being a Christian is really difficult. What are you kidding me? Are you, I know what difficult is. This is not it. There's seasons of challenges, but if you pass the test, you get promoted. And you get elevated. He asks you to do something, then He rewards you for doing it. Eternally, but even in the earth. And so many times we're like a child trying to grasp for something that's going to hurt them. Trying to stick, you know, kids always want to stick little pieces of stuff that'll choke them in their mouth. Balloons, by the way, the number one killer. You want to watch balloons. You know why that is? Because when they pop, they go inside a kid's, this is for somebody, probably saving a kid's life. You just listen up. Because they pop and little pieces of rubber can go right over the, some part of the breathing part in their body. I forget what it's called. The, the something. Trachea, is that what it is? Yeah, and it acts like a piece of skin and it can keep them from breathing. They, there's nothing, no way to get that off without getting air in there. Listen, God wants to help you. He wants to help me. He wants to help us together to live holy. you got to have a paradigm shift. There is a reward by a clean heart. You know, I will lie in my bed tonight, listen to that wind blow over my house. Lie in my bed and just thank and worship Him with not one bit of conviction or trouble in my heart. You say, How is it? why is that? Because the second I got some conviction, I'd be taking care of it. And if there was any trouble, I would take care of that too. I will lie in my bed tonight in absolute peace, ready to go meet my maker, should, should North Korea, God forbid, or anything like that. In fact, I bind that thing right now in Jesus' name. Deal with him. I don't have any fear uh, about stuff. Come on, I fell off a roof this week and the Lord called me. There I was, hanging by a gutter. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, he's going to help you. He's going to help you. He's going to help you overcome your bondage. He's going to fill it with joy. And He releases His power and His strength through you. He'll lead you. Come on, how many need wisdom this week? Yeah, I need wisdom. He'll lead you if you'll ask Him. Ask Him, Lord, lead me. Lord, direct my footsteps. That's why we start our day off in prayer. It orders your day. We're right here in the morning seeking God. Sometimes it's just sizzling on fire. Other times it's like, well, we just went through the discipline of doing it. But the truth is it, it, it puts a, a, a real declaration before God. I need God. I need His help. I need the Holy Spirit. I need Him to keep me from evil, deliver me from temptation. I need Him to help me in every area of my life. Come on, and so do you. Come on. Come on, just sing this little song with I got joy. Joy. May depression go tonight.
So Lord, we look to you and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd come upon us, that you'd wash us and you'd cleanse us by the authority of the name of Jesus and you would release your power in us. Fill us right now. Come on, some of you need to be pickled. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in tongues, you want that, come to the front, we're going to pray for you. If you're struggling with depression today, come to the front. Come pray for you. Depression will be the last night of depression for somebody up in here. The heart and the mind that stayed on Jesus, he keeps it perfect peace. Lift your hands. Depression. Right? Say it with me. Say depression, go. Depression, go.
my voice right now and says won't you invite me into your challenge and your problem I'll release resurrection power what I do for one man I'll do for another you're the firstborn among many many brethren I, I brought my son Jesus and raised him from the dead so that you can live life and life to the full don't try to swallow the pill and don't try to seduce, seduce yourself or be seduced by the things of the world allow for my spirit to set you free. I'm as near as the words in your mouth if you'll just call on me. Just call on me. I will help you. I'll give you joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Gentleness and self-control. Self-control. Yeah. Fruit of the Spirit. Lift your hands all across this place. Service is just about over. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Anything else? Is there somebody here desiring to have a child and uh, you can't get pregnant? Who's up? Where are you? You have to be married. <laughs> Maybe online. Father, in Jesus' name. Remove every blockage, Lord, every hindrance. Give this couple a, a, a baby, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, release miracles of healing, miracles of provision. Release miracles, Lord, by your Spirit. We invite you to come to lead, to guide, to direct, to empower us. To empower us to be your ambassadors in a lost and a dying world. Thank you that we've been washed. We've been cleansed. We've been sanctified by your name and by your spirit, by the word. We give you praise. Hope you got something from the Lord. Let me bless you. Service will be over. Father, thank you so much for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name.